glad that you're all here. For those of us who are in, uh, in the uh, auditorium today and those who are online, I'm so glad that you're able to make it. If this is your first time here, or even if you've been here before, welcome to Thrive Church. My name is David. I serve on the pastoral staff. And as always, I am praying that you find something meaningful today because I believe that God has something in mind for you. So here we go. A couple things I want to talk about today. Um, Our series right now is called Now What? And uh, um, I'm starting with this idea that um, we're here to make disciples. And um, we need to make sure that we have an understanding of what we mean when we use that term. What is a disciple, and last week I, I started on this, and you're going to hear this over and over again, get used to it, but a disciple is someone who listens in response, who listens to God and actually responds to the things that he or she hears. And so um, you spend some time listening, you're in the presence of God, and you believe that he's speaking. Something happens, you're like, mm, I wonder if that's God. And the question then is, now what? What are you going to do? If you have a sense uh, that God is speaking to you, now what? What, what, are, what, what should we expect as disciples? And uh, it's important to have an idea of what you might expect. Because otherwise, things might just seem really, really weird. And if you've read through the Bible at all, God sometimes asks people to do some really strange things. Come on now. Just because you've been in church, let's suspend all of that history. Virgin giving birth? Really? Yeah. Guy walks out out of a tomb after, you know, the Romans put him on a cross? That's odd. Donkeys that talk? Yep, that's in the Bible too. See what I'm saying? There's all kinds of weird things that sort of happen. And if you're listening to God, sometimes strange things come up and we need to pay attention to that. And so the bottom line here, at least for me, is that if we're supposed to make disciples, remember that Jesus said before he left, this is in Matthew, right? Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them all I have command, and lo, I'll be with you to the end of the day. Yeah, you know this one, right? If we're supposed to do that, (laughs) then it might be helpful if we actually understood what being a disciple was ourselves first, right? We had just recently, um, as a staff, started reading a book um, together and talking about it, and one of the uh, main points that came out in one of the chapters is that we teach what we know, but we reproduce who we are. That's a big deal, especially if we're talking about being a disciple, about being a follower of Jesus. And so last week, we looked at the life of of Abraham, or uh, before his name changed, Abram, and we learned um, from his story and from some of Jesus' followers that the call of God is always to an adventure. Always. As I look throughout the scriptures and I think about the people who I know who are disciples, there is never um, a life that is devoid of some type of an adventure if you're going to follow God. And um, yes, sometimes he calls you to Africa. Not always. 
but sometimes he does. Um, and he may ask you to go and move somewhere strange to you. Um, that may or may not be the case. But there's always an inner journey. Always, always, always an inner journey because we all have things that we've been carrying with us probably since childhood. Stuff that doesn't really serve us in any type of holy way. And so God wants us to deal with those sorts of things. And you have to remember that that too is an adventure. Is it uncomfortable? Yes, but all adventures are at some point. Because if it's not, have, if it doesn't have a certain level of, of discomfort, it's not very interesting. I heard this not too long ago. See if this resonates with you. But back in the uh, 50s-ish, there was a character that was um, introduced in the comic books. His name was Superman. And Superman had, at the time, just only a couple of abilities. Like, he could leap over buildings, and I think he was bulletproof. There might be some others, and some of you Superman fans may know a little bit more than I do. But the point being is that over a period of time, people stopped buying Superman comic books. Why? Because there'd be a problem, and Superman would show up. There'd be a problem, and Superman. There was no conflict. There was nothing of interest. There was no adventure to the actual story. It was just Superman showing up and doing what Superman did, and it got kind of boring. And think about this. If your life um, didn't have a certain amount of twists and turns to it, yours would be boring too, and it would drive you crazy. And God understands this, and so he stands ready to give you an adventure. A few years ago, um, I had a couple in my church um, that I dearly loved, and they, they came and they sat down with me and described a business opportunity that they had um, outside of, of the state that would require them to move. And I sat there and had a little battle within myself um, because, first of all, I was thrilled at the fact that they were attempting to allow their pastor to speak into um, the decision that they had to make. Um, and at the same time, very selfishly, I'm like, no, no, don't go. But I told them, I said, look, I'm gonna tell you to take the adventure 10 out of 10 times. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that. So uh, if you're you know, wrestling with a big decision like that, I will probably always advise you to take the adventure because I think that's when God shows up in a big way. And so adventure, the call of God is always, 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 always to an adventure of some type. It may be external, maybe a physical adventure. It's almost always an inner adventure about yourself. So strap in and buckle up, kids, because the ride does get a little bit bumpy. The upshot is that the Lord of hosts is with you. That's part of being a disciple is to expect adventure. And so today we're going to return to Abraham's story again and learn more about what to expect when we start hanging out with God on a regular basis. So if you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15 is where we're going to be. You can either turn or you can plug it into your Bible app. Uh, I'm going to read the whole thing first, and then we're, we're going to um, talk about some bits and pieces of it. So Genesis chapter 15, beginning with verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield, uh, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. 
And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you the land to take possession of it. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a, a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these things to him. This is the word of the Lord, and we believe it. It's a, it's a strange story, kind of. Um, so let's break this down, see if we can understand it a little bit better, um, see what it's made of, so to speak. So since chapter 12, um, when God actually called Abram to move, um, Abraham, or Abram, believed that God was going to do these things, and so he followed God to this land that he would be shown. He was living his life as a shepherd, um, as kind of a nomad. He had a little brief trip to Egypt because of some famine in the land, and frankly, he made some mistakes along the way. <clears throat> oh, and then there was this uh, trouble that his nephew got in with, um, with some foreign invaders. But through his faith in God's grace, Abram both survived and thrived over, and here's the important word, time. Because what we see in the text in verse, um, or it's, sorry, uh, chapter 12, actually chapter, yeah, chapter 12, is that Abram started his adventure really at age 75. And we find out, I think it's uh, another chapter or two later, I think it might be chapter 17, that Abram is 99 years old. So he's having a kid when he's 100. Wow. God shows up, not every single day for Abram, but long stretches of time in between. Now he shows up in a big way, don't get me wrong. But sometimes we get all upset when God doesn't talk to us day to day. Abram had to wait a few years in between. So there's these long stretches of time, at least according to the text. And so we have to keep this in mind, that there is Abram being faithful in living his life and doing his work and, and taking care of his family and taking care of his household and taking care of his nephew apparently too, and he's doing all of these things, and it's happening over time, and every so often, God kind of pokes his head in and says, hey. And so here we have another one of these stories. So God shows up in, in, here in chapter 15, and like I said, there's this stretch of time in between. God's call is to adventure, but it's always on his timetable. And don't we hate that, <laughs> right? 
It's one of those things that we don't particularly care for. But it is on his timetable. And so let's take a look at this a little more in detail. Here's verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Um, first, the, the language that's used here is very prophetic. You'll often see in, throughout the Old Testament, whenever there's a prophet, it talks about the word of the Lord came. Um, very often, the word that's used is the, the word of the Lord overcame um, the prophet. There's, there's almost the sense that if they don't say something, uh, they're going to explode. I mean, it really is that kind of idea. But in this, this particular case, it's very prophetic, but it's, it's a little more sedate. Uh, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. It doesn't describe the vision, just the message. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. <clears throat> and so when you're in the presence of God, um, you, often, you often get a word, sometimes a phrase. Don't be surprised by that. Like a little phrase or an, or an idea will pop into your head. And the first question that you'll probably ask yourself is, all right, is that really God or is that me? How many of you have done that? How many, come on, be honest, you're in church, right? Yeah, you've, you've been there and you've been in the presence of God and you, you hear something, but you don't know if you really hear it or maybe you see a word or something that's more visual. And, and the first question is like, is that me or is that the Lord? But this is often how God communicates to us directly when it's not through his word or through um, the voice of someone else. Is that there's an idea or sometimes it's even a picture I've noticed. Um, uh, I, I think I've said this before, but years ago I had this very vivid um, um, vision of when I was praying of a ship's prow going through the water. Uh, let me tell you, my, my nine-year-old daughter has tried to interpret that for me many times. It's been very interesting to listen to her um, attempt to do that. And I, I've been listening because, you know what? God can talk through her too, so I'm paying close attention. So if you get a word or you, if you get a picture, um, my, my suggestion to you is to always record it somewhere and put a date on it. If, even if it's a phrase, and, you can, and it's, it's perfectly acceptable to say, God, I have no idea what this means. That's fine. But write it down somewhere and put a date on it. Look, y'all got, got phones. I know because you're looking at them right now, <laughs> right? And you're taking notes, yeah, right? But use your notepad and create a little file or something where you, you, you write that on there as just on this date, I think I heard this. And it's fine to put, I think, you're not offending God by that. The point is, is that you want some type of a record that God communicated to you. So that's not uncommon to, to actually hear the word uh, or a specific word or a phrase or maybe even a picture. Okay, keep that in mind. Next, but Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and in and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Now this is very important because God said, I'm going to be your shield, your very great reward. Well, in that day and age, uh, one of the signs of wealth or success is to have children, specifically in this case, sons. And there's a reason for that. It's cultural. It's not prescriptive by any stretch, but it is cultural. 
And Abram hears once again from the Lord this promise. Remember back in chapter 12, it was, I'm going to bless you, therefore be a blessing, and I will bless all nations through you. And he goes, okay, I'm going to believe it. And so he moves to Canaan, and now here we have another promise again. And Abram says very plainly, simple question, what can you give me? Because up until this point, he's only gone to the land where God has shown him, Right? Now, you and I have read the whole story. We know what's going on. But at the time, as, as Abram is living his life, we've only moved to one particular location. Do you see what I mean? And so he's developing this relationship with God over a period of many, many years. But he says, you know, I don't have any kids. And I have a servant in my household. And he's going to inherit everything because he's a good guy. And, and I would just assume him have it. But... You know, you're promising these things, but I have no legacy. And, and so what I want you to understand is that this particular question is so important because ultimately he's saying to God is, what does it matter? What does it matter that you're, you're going to be my shield, my reward? Now, all of us are like, oh, you can't say that to God. He didn't know God like we did or like we do now. The point is, is he's asking a legitimate question and he's like, what's it all for? Who's it all for? If you're going to bless me the way that you say you're going to bless me, then what? It's a legitimate question to ask. And and here's the important thing that you you need to understand. Verse four, then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. God was not offended by the question. You know, we, sometimes we think that God is another human being. Yes, he's a person, but he knows all things. He knows your heart. He understands where those questions are coming from, and he knows the hurt. I, I can't imagine the hurt that, that Abram and Sarah had at that point in their lives. What's it all for? What does it matter? You've not, you know, given me any posterity here, no legacy. And then the word of the Lord comes to him again because God's not offended by your questions. He can handle them. Someone who's your own flesh and blood. It's a beautiful picture. God clarifies. Oh yeah, seems impossible, doesn't it? 75 plus at this point, somewhere between 75 and 100 years old. But don't be surprised by the word that you might receive from him or the picture, but also don't be surprised if God shows you or promises you something that seems unattainable or even bizarre. Don't be surprised by that. If God's got an idea for you, then God's got a way for you. Does that make sense? Is that if he puts this thought into your head, and even if you don't understand how it may or may not come to pass, the point is, is that God's got a way for you. Now, I know that's easy for me to say. It's a lot harder to actually do. But step one to this entire process, you need to hear from the Lord. And if you're going to do that, you need to be in the presence of God. And so if God gives you something in that moment, and it just seems like it is out there, it's okay. It may not come to pass the way you think it's going to come to pass. 
But the point is, is that if God has given you a word or a thought or something, (laughs) then he's got a way to actually achieve it. Because nothing is impossible with God, right? Okay, so verse, um, let's see, here we go. Verse 5, he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them so shall your offspring be. That's a pretty big deal. And I love this. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Which, by the way, that phrase comes up in the book of Hebrews later on down the road. Some of you know that. Abram believed the Lord and God said he was righteous for his belief. And at this point, what what has Abram got to lose? He's 75 plus years old and he's waiting for some offspring. He's like, hey, the Lord says it. He brought me to this land. It's pretty good. And he says he's going to make all these promises. All right. So he believes him. But then this um, this story pivots a little bit. Abram also said to him, or um, God also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. So Ur is this city in what's modern day Iraq. And, and uh, Abram took this long trip from Iraq across what we call the Fertile Crescent down to the land of Canaan, modern-day Israel. I am the Lord your God who brought you up. Boy, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? You might have seen this phrase before when God brings Israel up out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of your bondage, out of slavery. We see that over and over again in the book of Exodus and the book of Deuteronomy, both those places. This is a familiar pattern that we see. And I love this next part, and I think this is the the important piece. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? I want you to look at that very carefully right there, because I think this is a big deal. How can I know that I will gain possession of it? Don't miss that. Don't miss it. Because look what happens, what follows. So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these things to him. And this is what's, what's interesting what follows is a ceremony of sorts where God actually creates an agreement with Abram and his family. The term often used is to cut a covenant, and I'm going to talk about it more next week. Uh, You're going to see how this all fits together. So he's going along, they're having this conversation, and then it ends with this ceremony. And I, I, I have this kind of question in my head. Is that why didn't God start with the covenant? Why didn't God start with that? Way back when they were up in somewhere in modern day Iraq before they made the trip to Canaan, why didn't God create that agreement then, back in chapter 12. I mean, it's clear that God picked Abram and his family. I mean, he kind of knew what he was doing. He he knew that he was picking him. 
And yet, he formalized it after how many years? Well, somewhere between age 75 and 100. So 10, 15 years, something like that, formalizes it then. Why didn't he just start with the covenant back at age 75? Well, I have a theory. Actually, it's an explanation, I suppose, based on not just the text, but also some experience of some, some Christians that I know. And I think what happens is that, that God wants us to dig a little bit deeper. I really, I really do. I think what, <laughs> I think sometimes he kind of baits us a little bit. You know, he gives us a little bit, gives us a little bit, and uh, tries to move us in a direction to dig a little bit deeper. And so I, I, I think what I want to tell you is to make sure that you ask the second question. Or maybe even the third, because it might take a third because your second question might not be that deep, <laughs> right? But your third question might be. And so if you notice what happened in the story is God asked this question, what can, or um, Abraham asked the question, what can you give me? But then he asked the second question, how will I know? Do you see the difference? The first one is just kind of a, I don't get it. The second question is, okay, if that's true, then how will I know? And that's when God cuts the covenant with him after the second question. You see, sometimes it's not enough to ask God one question because again, if you haven't figured this out yet, even after I've told you, God's not afraid of your questions. In fact, I think he wants us to ask them most of the time. He wants us to ask, what's going on here? How will I know? Because a revelation from God, whatever it looks like, whether it's a word, whether it's a picture, whether it's something in the text, whether it's something that somebody says to you that gets you thinking, whatever it happens to be, if it's a word from God, that revelation, if it is truly from him, it is always to something deeper, to something richer, to something better, every single time. Every time. I didn't say easier. <laughs> I just said better, right? Keep that in mind. And so we'll connect with God and we'll ask him a question. Maybe that question is about a job or a relationship or some situation that you're, you're involved in. And you'll ask him that question and then you receive an answer and you're excited and you celebrate that, um, that revelation or that, that come, coming to pass, that answer to your prayer. And so you thank him, but then ask another question. Ask him another question. And maybe you're in the presence of God and you're praying because when you're, when you're praying, you're in the presence of God. And, and let, let's just take, for instance, about a new job. And you're praying and you're asking him about it. And you interview and you land the gig. Woohoo! You go out and you celebrate and you party and at some point you thank God for it. My advice then is to ask another question. Maybe you ask him, God, what would you have me do in this new role? I know what my job function is, but what would you have me do in this new role? Or you could ask God, where are you working and how can I join you? Oh, that's a dangerous question. 
That's an adventurous question. Maybe it's not about a job. Maybe you're a young person and you're in school. And maybe you're, um, well, it's a little difficult now because of all the circumstances we're in, but maybe you're praying about a class or a classmate or a teacher or a project that you're doing and you're in a set of circumstances you don't fully understand and you see God you know, answering your prayer and things are going and the next question is, God, what would you have me do? It'd be cool if our students started doing that. Mm. And then they started hearing God and started following him in the classroom. Yeah. An adventurous question. Where are you working? How can I join you? So here's a list of questions you might want to think about asking. Second question. It's like second breakfast. Second question. Some of you will get that later. Question number one. Follow Abraham. How will I know? If God is promising you something, ask the question, how will I know? Uh, I'd heard something from the Lord a few years ago, and I still ask that question. Oh, God, how will I know? How will I know? Here's another great question. God, why are you telling me this? Sometimes you'll hear something from someone you'll read something in the word and you'll have a word in your mind. And you start bringing these things together as a mosaic. And the great second or third question to ask is when you look at those three data points, let's call them that. God, why are you telling me these three things right now? Because that's the other one. Why are you telling me this? Why are you telling me now? That's a big one. Because you've got these three things and they may not connect and so you need that revelation or insight. And God's just waiting for you to ask. He thinks that's cool. The fact that you've noticed there's these three things that may be related but you're not really sure and he wants you to ask that question. Why now, Lord? That's a good one. Why now? Why, why, are, why are we doing this now? What truth do you want to reveal, Lord? That's a great question. You're going through something and you're dealing with it. What truth do you want to reveal? And it's often about you or it's about somebody that you need to know something about. What truth do you want to reveal? Uh, where are you working? That's a great one. Especially if you're, if you're feeling particularly um, isolated. If you're feeling particularly shut off from other people, uh, I, I don't know about you, but I've had work environments where um, just weren't wasn't connecting with my with my coworkers for one reason or another. Uh, and I'm a fairly likable guy. I never understood that. And so one of the questions that you can ask is, "God, where where are you at work? Because I'm not sure how I fit into all this." Yeah, that's a good second question. Or maybe the Lord leads you to. Um, a particular role or set of circumstance, whatever it happens to be, a relationship, and you just, you're not understanding. God, where are you working? Ask him. He wants you to. He wants you to. Uh, my favorite question, kind of akin to that, is, Lord, what are you up to? Because the Lord's up to something most of the time, and I want to know what he's up to. <clears throat> and how can I join? 
That's a great one. But here's the thing, and this is, this is my little uh, warning. Here's my warning. Ask the second question and then look out because <laughs> something's probably coming up. Now, you may have to ask a third question, but the point is with all of this is that you are on an adventure and the second question leads you a little bit deeper down the rabbit hole because the question is, is how deep does the rabbit hole go? And only God knows, and sometimes he's not telling. So look out. So here's my challenge for you today, um, and this week especially. The first thing you have to do is you have to try to spend some time with God. I'm not guilting you into it. But I would suggest you, suggest to you, that if you're not feeling like you can ask a second question, you feel like you can't even ask a first question, why don't you try connecting with him first? It would be like asking a question without dialing the phone, right? Pick up the phone, make the call, get into the presence of God, see where that goes, and then start asking questions. Again, God ain't afraid of you. (laughs) Not afraid of your questions. You're not gonna ask him any kind of question that he can't answer. Now, he may choose not to, because you might be asking the wrong one. But the point is, you're never gonna know if you're not spending time with him. Again, that's not a guilt thing. It's just don't settle for anything less. So presence of God, try to spend some time with God this week. Look, if it's not a daily thing for you, fine. Pick a day, start there. Double dog dare you. Find one. Start with one step. You don't have to be every single day. Here's the thing that I've noticed. This is just my own personal experience. Um, I usually spend a good, I I don't even know how much time it is. It takes as much time as it takes. But every morning, I usually spend some time journaling. And I'm at the point now in my journaling, and I've been doing this 15 years, so don't, you know, if you're just starting on this, don't compare to me but I've been doing this long enough that if I don't journal, I feel it. It feels weird, like my day's off because that's the time that I, you know, and I don't hear from God every day. I wish that I did. And then I'm reminded that Abraham had to wait a few years. I'm like, okay, I'm in good company. That's fine. The point is, is that if God's gonna show up, I'm gonna create an opportunity for him to do that so that I can ask my questions. Now, even while I'm in the midst of my journaling, I'm still asking questions, and he may choose to answer them. So you've got to spend some time with him. Secondly is acknowledge his answers when they, when they actually happen. And here's the thing, I'm going to tell you this, I, I, a broken record. Write it down. It's not real until you write it down down. You you don't have to journal two, three pages every day, but have a place where you can write down when you hear God speak, even if you're, you're like, oh, that's just crazy. That can't be God. Write it down. See what happens, because here's what you'll do, because you're a human being, and you're a human being that lives in the 21st century with all the technology and all of the distractions available to you. You will forget And that's the one thing that we don't want to do is we don't want to forget when God actually moves or speaks. (laughs) That's tragic. Don't do that. 
but write it down somewhere that you'll return to at some point and go, oh yeah, wait a minute, God actually answered that. Yes, he did. That's what you want. Right, that's what we're after. So write it down somewhere. Put a date on it so that you got it. And then kind of the third step here is will you be courageous enough to ask another question? And it takes some courage to do that. Lord, what are you trying to reveal to me here? If you're on an inner journey, (laughs) that's a big question. I hope this is making some sense. But don't miss the text. Don't miss Abram asking a very simple logistical question. Lord, how are you going to do this? What does it matter? I don't have any heirs. And then he goes to the next question is, how will I know? How will I know? That's when God begins to do the things that only God can do. And he's inviting us to that over and over and over again. Now what? Ask the next question. And the next and the next and see where it is that God takes you in that journey. I hope that makes some sense to you. And frankly, I think you'll find that in other places in the text too. You'll find it in the lives of of people who have been following God for a number of years. I know that we've got plenty of saints in our congregation and they will probably tell you something similar is that they've trusted God and asked the next question. Trust God, ask the next question. Over and over again we hear this. So I challenge you to do that this week and next week and the week after. (laughs) Just keep on going. Hey, we're coming up on the holidays here pretty soon. Great time to ask second and third questions because I think people are receptive and open to the things that are good and holy and decent. They might not want to call it God or Jesus, but I think this is a time of year when people are actually open to those. So, ask the next question. Let's pray. Jesus, you're so good to us. God, you, you want us to ask you questions. You don't want us to just be passive all the time, but to be active in our, in our conversation with you. <clears throat> just like uh, you don't want us to uh, just give you a laundry list of things that we want because you're not Santa Claus, but at the same time, you don't want us passive when we're listening to you this is a conversation and lord i pray that every person here as they um, walk with you this week that they would find themselves in your presence that you would speak to them clearly and that you and your spirit would embolden them to ask another question and a third question and a fourth question and lord that that dialogue would continue and it would build their faith as they do and Lord, I just pray that your, your, your counselor would speak to them and that you would bless them with that beautiful conversation, the beautiful discussion that only comes through you. And Lord, I also recognize that in this moment, it's very possible that people are feeling a sense of guilt and shame because they haven't connected with you for whatever reason. They just feel like they're too busy and 
and they're feeling down and bad about it, Lord, I, I pray that that voice would be silent in their heads because shame has no place in the relationship <clears throat> that you have with your, with your kids. Lord, that every person here um, is valued by you, and it's not because it's something they should or shouldn't do. It's, <laughs> it's because you want them to. They are wanted by you. They are valuable to you, and that deep longing desire that you have to actually speak to your people, that every person here would experience that in a small way, even this week, and going into the holiday season. Lord, <laughs> those repeated records, those recordings in their head that tell them that they're not good enough and they're not measuring up, Lord, I pray you just break that in Jesus' name right now. There's no need for that. This is something that we, we can do because you're good and loving and gra gracious and you invite us to do that and the adventure that awaits on the other side. Lord, so if there's any shame or guilt that's present, I just pray by your spirit you'd clean it out in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that uh, we can come to you with these things, that you want to be in the beautiful conversation and that this week would be um, one of those weeks where we would write some things down and see you move. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Everybody said.